Um, yeah, may, may God's love make us sing. Um, if I could just ask a question, um, think about how many of you have been um, maybe a little disturbed or, or bothered uh, some groups that you have been a part of. Maybe it's just a little club or a friendship group. Uh, it could be even something like a sewing circle. And you've noticed that there's been a change and there's where once you had this group, there's now this division and maybe the group even split up. Has anyone noticed that? And, and you, yeah, a good portion of us have seen these divisions where maybe it was always there, but it just seems more pronounced now. So I wanted to share a little bit with you from the, the gospel of Matthew here. And this is part of Jesus's sermon on the Mount. And it's kind of our guidance as far as a, a way of life. And so I'm reading from the fifth chapter, starting with the, the 43rd verse here. <clears throat> you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I think a better translation for that perfection is not, it doesn't mean um, uh, doing everything right, but be more mature, gain in your understanding and wisdom, be more patient, have more self-control, have more love. So be, just be more mature. And then also I wanted to, to read from Romans. In this particular passage, it shouldn't come as any surprise. Uh, it was written around... Uh, uh, 55, uh, 58 AD, and um, the church in Rome and the Christians very early on, so it's only maybe 20, 30 years old, uh, they are fighting with each other. <laughs> it's part of our tradition, you could say. So the church is fighting, and uh, Paul is encouraging the church to find their common ground to, to forgive and to heal. And so in this particular passage, you can re read it on your own, Romans 12, he gives them over 30 instructions on how to heal their <clears throat> divisions between each other here. And I'm just going to read a, a couple verses here. I wanted to read Romans 12, uh, chapter or verse, verse 17 here. Do not repay anyone evil for evil but take thought for what is noble in, in the sight of all. And if it is possible so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do not repay evil with evil. And by the way, I noticed in my meditation, I didn't pick it up. <laughs> I left out a word. I put do repay evil with evil. Uh, <laughs> so I will send out a, a disclaimer there saying, I forgot to put do not repay <laughs> evil with evil. <clears throat> and then also, um, on verse 21 here, Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So respond to evil with, with goodness there. So um, 
those are the words of God for uh, each and every one of us today. And we often think that having faith is just having a, a set of beliefs, but it, it's much more than that. It's actually practicing those beliefs, living them day to day. So one of those practices, if we want to follow Christ, would be loving our enemies, forgiving one another. Uh, do not repay evil with evil, but respond to it with goodness and faith. So as we take a little time just to, to pray and to reflect on this passage, uh, just I'd like for us to ask, have you noticed <clears throat> any more divisions in your life or in your world? where there's just this disagreement between people, disagreement between uh, friends, uh, maybe a, a club or a group you're a part of, and this division has, has risen up. And, and maybe it's old or maybe it's new. And so have you noticed where there's that division and, and just kind of wondering how can I respond to that? So I'll just take, where have you noticed division? And so let's just take a few moments to pray and, and to reflect on that. Let us pray for a moment here silently. <clears throat> so it's going to take some time that uh, if you would like to share just some, maybe where you've noticed <clears throat> some division where it's become more pronounced and maybe even to the point where the group or the friends are, are no longer able to, to meet. And we can just kind of lift those that division up to God and, and pray for healing and reconciliation. <clears throat> and uh, thinking about uh, where Jesus says, love, love your enemies. And I think if you think about that loudness too, and, and being quiet, uh, Jesus doesn't really say a whole lot. I, I generally think of him as being a very quiet person, but he was still heard. And I guess you could say he was very stable or very consistent and standing in that grace and that love and in that patience. <clears throat> and you've heard me say many times, and I, I always wonder about this. Um, I was at an evangelical Christian conference once, and Shane Claiborne said his first words to all these evangelicals, and they, they all had their Bibles open waiting to see what he would say. And he said, what if Jesus meant what he said? And they all laughed. And they're all looking at their Bibles. And he said, no, what if Jesus meant what he said? And he rattled off all these things that he says. And, and we're all people of faith. And we all desire to follow Christ. And he says, love your enemies. What if he meant that? <laughs> do we believe that's true? Or do we think he was joking with us? And he was absolutely serious. Love your enemies. So can we follow Jesus and, and hate our enemies? Can we follow Jesus and, and demonize people, either individual or groups of people? Can we call people names and uh, uh, just think poorly of them and still say that we are following Christ? And, um, and I've just heard this not only from myself, but from so many people just how saddened we are and disheartened by all the division and, and hatred um, in our communities and in our country right now. <clears throat> and on a more pronounced level, um, and some of you are very involved trying to 
make some peace here, but just those simultaneous rallies in, in Cortez, where we have people marching for Black Lives Matters, and then the other group riding around in their trucks at the very same time, you know, chanting USAA or, or uh, Blue Lives Matter, and just that division and, and hatred between neighbors is just very saddening. And, and what do we do? And uh, just people, some people wearing a mask in public and some people not. And then we, we have a tendency to pass judgment and, and uh, make them a very one-dimensional person just based upon whether or not they're wearing a mask or not. And we have uh, tremendous racial tension in our, our country right now with Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter and other people saying all lives matter. And just that general lack of understanding. And all these issues, um, maybe the names change, but they're the same issues that people were working on and splitting apart about and going to war over when, when Jesus walked on earth. And so the battle lines are, are drawn and the arguments have been refined and literally the guns have been drawn. And I think about, uh, we have two or three of you from California, those wildfires that are raging in California are out of control. And in some ways it just kind of mirrors the pain that our community and our country is in right now. Everything just seems to be, to be burning up. <clears throat> and so what should we do? What should we do as people of faith? Because we're probably not going to win an argument. <laughs> and then we could, as, as some of you mentioned, we could be more aggressive. We could out yell somebody. We could dominate somebody. But it's not going to resolve or bring any lasting healing. So what should we do? We could even uh, get the Supreme Court. Maybe we could stack the Supreme Court to, to favor our viewpoints. And they can make a ruling that we'd like. But it's not going to change people's hearts. And Jesus's answer is very simple, but also very complex and very challenging. He says, love your enemies. That might make us cringe. <laughs> and we might say, maybe you're like me, say, well, I'm willing to love them, but they won't love me, so it just won't work. But how often do we actually try it? <clears throat> I think it was Gandhi who said Christianity is a great idea. Somebody should try it out someday. What if we actually lived the way Jesus lived and put into action his words? And he said, love your enemies. And he just didn't say this. He actually loved his enemies. And when he was on the cross, he said, forgive them. They know not what they do. So he doesn't condemn the people who kill him. He kills him. He forgives him. When they come to arrest him, and he knows their intention, not only to arrest him and, and put him in jail, but also to condemn him to death, Peter takes out his sword, and he cuts off the ear of one of the people who is the enemy. <clears throat> and Jesus says, put your sword away. That is not the way of Christ. Put your sword away. And I would say I have 99% certainty that today Jesus would look at all of us and say, 
put your guns away. Put your bombs away. Put your weapons of war away. And love one another. There is a different way. <clears throat> and so are we going to continue just to play like we seek resolution and play like we are people of faith or really take these words to heart because it takes a lot of courage to love because that means we're vulnerable that means we're at risk <clears throat> and it also means that we wouldn't defend ourselves we would be willing to die for love for healing and for reconciliation <clears throat> and abraham lincoln who i think was just such a great statesman and person and he gave a speech at the height of the civil war and i'm not a historian but i would guess that the the tension the division and the hatred was greater in the, those early 1860s than it is today where families weren't speaking to each other, the political parties were split, the, the country is split. So he gives this speech, and I'm quoting Robert Greene here. And in the speech, uh, Abraham Lincoln referred to Southerners as fellow human beings who are in error. Think about that. He didn't condemn them. He didn't demonize them. He says, Southerners are fellow human beings. Even that, they are human beings and they are in error. And after the speech, an elderly lady chastised him for not calling the Southerners irreconcilable enemies who must be destroyed. And then Lincoln, he responded to her. And I think he probably took a moment, kind of like Jesus did, where he didn't literally write in the sand, but I'm sure he breathed and caught his breath. Why didn't you condemn those Southerners? Why didn't you condemn those police who are brutalizing people of color? Why didn't you condemn those rioters who are destroying the stores? He called them fellow human beings who are in air. And, and Lincoln, replied to her he said why manna why madam do i not destroy my enemies <clears throat> by making them my friends and what a great line do i not destroy my enemies by making them my friends and lincoln was well aware of what it meant to follow jesus that wasn't just something he said he knew we are called to love our enemies. <clears throat> and so how will we respond to the division in our personal lives, in our nation? Will our faith inform our response? Because that's what we need to do. Our faith, those words in the life of Christ need to inform how we respond. <clears throat> and Walter Wink, uh, in his book, Jesus and Nonviolence, he says, love of enemies for our time is the litmus test for authentic Christian faith. That's a tough one. <laughs> because I often ask myself, am I Christian or not? Am I truly a follower? And he says, the litmus test is, do we love our enemies? 
because we think if we love them, that means we are agreeing with them. No, it's two different things. To love someone does not mean we agree with all their views and all of their ideas. And this can be as simple as our neighborhood. In most of our neighborhoods, all the different political signs are coming up in our neighborhood. Some we agree with, some we disagree with. And Jesus says, I'm not asking you to agree with everyone. I'm asking you to love everyone, to see the value and the dignity in each person. There's division in our schools about whether schools should meet or not meet. <clears throat> There's division in, in the Lions Clubs and in the, the Optimist Club. And we're well aware of all the <clears throat> division between Republicans and Democrats and conservatives and liberals and the rich and the poor, between men and women between the races. And Jesus just says, love each person, see the dignity and worth in them. Do not demonize one another. And Walter Wink says, when we demonize or hate our enemies, when we call them names or we curse them, then we identify them with absolute evil. And we start playing God and saying there is nothing redeemable in that person or in that group. We just need to annihilate them or destroy them. <clears throat> and this is how we end up with wars and all this division. Because we say there's nothing redeemable in that person or in that group. And Lincoln calls the Southerners, who he disagrees with. He calls them his fellow human beings. And maybe we can have some of these difficult conversations by calling that person that we're in disagreement with, you are a fellow human being with me. You are my brother. You are my sister. There's a lady in our conference. She refers, when she talks to us, she calls us her siblings. I like that too. You are my sibling. And just changing that language. Because <clears throat> everyone is made in God's image. Our, our true essence, we all have that love and compassion and goodness within us. Because that's who God is. And so what does it mean, in, in a practical sense, what does it mean to love our enemies? What does that look like? And I, I read a story a, a long time ago. I can't remember where I read it. And you can just imagine this because it's so relevant today, but <clears throat> there was a group of women, several women that they would meet at these rallies and they were on opposite sides. It was uh, <clears throat> abortion, you know, pro-life rallies or pro-choice rallies. And these women would always meet and they'd come together with their signs and they would, I don't know if you've ever been to one of these rallies, but uh, quite often people just start yelling and screaming at each other and they hate each other and their anger and they condemn one another and, and they say, you're going to hell and you're not biblical and you're not, how, how dare you call yourself a, a Christian? And it's just ugly, it's just extremely ugly. And so these women were at these rallies yelling and screaming at each other and condemning one another and, and just name calling. And this went on for weeks and months at a time. And nothing ever changed. And that's kind of where we are. We're just locked in this division. And a couple of them, most of them were people of faith. And they said, this isn't right. All this hatred and all this 
anger. This isn't right. <clears throat> and they realized that most of them were going to church. And yet they still just had this venom, this hatred towards one another. And so they decided, and this is a true story, that they would get together, put their signs down, put their swords away, and they would actually eat lunch with one another. And so they got together, they had lunch, and they agreed they were not going to talk about abortion on this initial lunch. And they just got to know each other. And they realized that a lot of them were mothers, and they all had the same uh, struggles about what does it mean to be a mom and raising kids and getting meals ready. And some of them were professionals and balancing their career with their home life. And, and they found all this common ground. And after a couple lunches, they started to actually like each other. They saw each other as fellow human beings, not as someone that was either for or against abortion there. We're so much more complex than being a Republican or a Democrat. If that's all we are, then shame on us. <laughs> we are much more complex than whether we are Republicans or Democrats or conservative or liberal. And they saw each other as fellow human beings. And then the big test came. One of these big abortion rallies was going to happen. I think it was back in Washington, D.C. They said, what are we going to do? Because they all felt passionate about their view. And they agreed that they would go to the rally. They made their signs. They spoke their truth. But what they didn't do is condemn the other side. They didn't demonize the other viewpoint. And it was completely different. And they were still held their passionate views. And they also agreed that after this rally is over, we will eat lunch together and share our lives together. And I think this is what Jesus means when he talks about loving our neighbors. <clears throat> and sometimes we also have to acknowledge that the enemy can actually be much more hostile where they refuse to meet, they refuse to talk. And that's where we just make that commitment to stand in that love. And during the civil rights movement, quite often, the, the group that was against or, or against desegregation, against actually having equality between the races, quite often they wouldn't meet. And uh, Martin Luther King, I uh, talk about him often, but he delivered a sermon about appealing to that command to love our enemies. And he gave this during Christmas time in 1957. And he said, to our most bitter opponents, we say, we will match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will. Do to us what you want but we shall continue to love you. Throw us in jail and we shall love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children and we shall love you. And these things actually happened for many years. They're still happening. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead. <clears throat> and we shall still 
love you. But be you assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. <clears throat> we will wear you down by our capacity to love no matter what. And one day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves. We shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall with, win you in the process. The enemy will become friends and our victory will be a double victory. And this is loving the enemy to the extreme. Those relatives, those people who might be from a different party, do whatever you want, but we will continue to love you. And we will still hold our views for the love and, and the goodness of all people. And this is what it means. And this is really hard stuff. Very difficult, but it needs to start. This change needs to happen. And instead of thinking, oh, if we change the, the, the makeup of the Senate, if we change the makeup of the House or the presidency, that's not going to change it, I don't think. I think it needs to start with us. Because that frees us of any responsibility. We are called to love our enemies, to make peace in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our communities, and to start loving people. Uh, our neighbors and enemies one at a time. Jesus calls us to do this and create that grassroots movement, bringing that kingdom here on earth. So today, just asking all of ourselves, do we believe Jesus when he says, love your neighbors and love your enemies? And how will we love our neighbors? How will we love our enemies? That takes some time to really meditate and pray on that. How will we do that? Can we see that which is of God within each person? If there's a person we disagree with, a person we're struggling with, ask yourself, can I see the image of God in them? And my prayer for each and every one of us today and myself as well is that we continue that we can continue to grow become more mature and that we can pray and, and think about our responses to the hate which is all around us and it's on each side not just one side will we continue to love as christ loves us will we meet hatred with that soul force as kings says or will we just be part of the escalation of the hate? We can love our enemies. Jesus does it, and many people of faith have done it before us. And it is our way forward. And it is the answer. Amen. Change.